this morning we're going to uh, move back into our uh, teaching series that we've been in for a while on prayer. We're, we call it the House, House of Prayer series. Uh, and um, I'll try to pick up where I left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago there are many different kinds of prayer. There's prayers of worship, prayers of praise, prayers of uh, confession or think, uh, uh, repentance. There are prayers of petition where we ask for things. And then there's the kind of prayer I started talking about a couple weeks ago, prayers of intercession. Intercession is when we uh, uh, pray for other people, when you pray for someone other than yourself. And the last time we looked at intercession, we looked at our obligation to intercede. And I want to return to that, that, that concept, that theme this morning. To help get us focused on moving, in just a second I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. But before I do, let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, Ezekiel was a prophet of God. Uh, sent by God to call his people back to him, to call his people to return, to repent and return to him. At this particular time in history, God was working directly through and with the nation of Israel. He called them to know him, to love him, and to accomplish his purposes in the world, to bless the world. He called them to be his hands and feet, to bless the world. But the Israelites failed to live up to that calling. Like all the people in the world before them, they began to serve themselves instead of God. Like everyone else in the world, they sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And in the passage of Scripture I'm going to read to you here in just a second, Ezekiel 22, verses 23 to 30. Ezekiel 22, verses 23 to 30. In this passage of Scripture, God actually calls them out on their sin. And it's really not a pretty picture. Let me, let me read it for you. Ezekiel 22, verses 23 to 30. This is what the Bible says. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the land, You are a land that has no rain or showers in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her. Like a roaring lion, lion tearing its prey, they devour people, take treasures and precious things, and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there's no difference between the unclean and the clean. They shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gains. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the alien, denying them justice. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. Praise the Lord, that is the word of the Lord, according to Ezekiel the prophet. Now before we look at that passage directly, I do want to just take a moment and briefly explain what intercession is. The word intercede literally means to go between. The real idea is that in intercession, in prayer, you enter into the presence of God. You step into that place of communion with God that we've been talking about. That, that communion with God you have in prayer. And in that place of communion with God, you position you, 
yourself between the Lord and the person or the people for whom you're praying. In order to ask God to intervene on their behalf, you take your place of communion and fellowship with God. The grace and the favor of God that you enjoy as a child of God, and you leverage it on behalf of somebody else. In the Ezekiel passage I just read, God lays out the case against the people. That's a pretty serious case. The political leaders are corrupt, the spiritual leaders are corrupt, and the rank-and-file citizens are corrupt. And the image that God, use, that God uses to describe them is, is like a wall, an ancient city, where the wall around it, the wall that surrounds the city that's supposed to be there to keep them safe, it is supposed to be there to protect them from invasion. There's this huge gaping hole right in the middle of it. In other words, they're in tremendous danger and don't even know it. And the Lord says this, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. In this case, the people were in danger of the judgment of God. Their sins were crying out for judgment. Their sins actually deserved judgment. But please don't miss this. Their sins were crying out for judgment. And God's first response was not to move against them in judgment. His first response was not to rain down judgment on them. His response was to look for somebody to intercede for them. God's first response was to look for an intercessor. To look for someone, anyone, someone who knew him, who would stand before him between him and the people and ask him to have mercy on them because that is the heart of God. He was looking for someone to access their place of communion with him and use it to intercede for people in trouble. God says, I looked and I looked. He waited while he looked. He listened and he listened to see if anyone would cry out to him and ask for mercy on behalf of this people who frankly did not deserve it. Their sins cried out for the judgment of God, but God in his mercy was looking for an intercessor, for someone to come and stand between him and the people and ask him to show mercy. He said, I, I kept looking for someone to stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. And the implication, it, it is clear, if someone the Lord knew had done that, he may very well have relented from sending that judgment. That is the potential power of intercession. That's the name of this message, the potential power of intercession, or the potential of intercession. Not, let's be clear, not that you can make God do stuff he doesn't want to do, but that you can, in prayer, step into situations. And sometimes, through your presence and your prayers, give God a reason to show mercy. Give God a reason to step in and bless. There are all kinds of examples in the Bible of this potential power of intercession. One of them occurs in Genesis 18 and 19, where God's decided he's going to wipe out the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because they are filled with wickedness. Uh, but he also decides to tell his friend Abraham what he's planning. And as soon as he does, Abraham immediately begins to intercede on the behalf of the cities. 
He reminds God of his incredible goodness. And then he starts to essentially bargain with him. He said, God, would, would you consider not wiping out all the cities if you could find 50 righteous people in them? And God says, well, okay, I'll do it. And Abraham says, how about 45? And God says, okay. And, 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 and over and over again, Abraham keeps coming back to God and coming back to God. And finally gets to the point, he says, you know, here, last one, God, let, listen. Would you consider sparing all this, both the cities completely, all of them, everybody in them, if you could find ten righteous people? God says it's a deal. And then he moved on. Sadly, they couldn't find ten righteous people in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and so the cities were destroyed. But Abraham's an incredible example, interceding on behalf of the people. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to have visual things. Visual images really help me understand and get a hold of and work with things. And when it comes to intercession, for me personally, there, there are two episodes recorded in the Bible, two historical events recorded in the Bible that create for me an incredible visual images of what intercession is. And I want you to think about them. The first one, for me, incredible image found in the Old Testament book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 16. There's this devastating plague that has broken out among the people of God. They've all gathered together, and this plague has started just racing through the people. And it basically, it's, it's more or less killing them where they stand. Moses finds out, he sends Aaron, he says, run! Run into the middle of the people and take a censer with you. And, and Aaron takes this, this incense in a censer, and he literally runs right in the middle of the people. This plague is raging through there. Now, this literally happened. He literally physically did this with a censer full of incense. But in the Bible, incense is also very often a type or a symbol or a representation of prayer and intercession. And, and, and so Aaron runs right into the middle of the people with incense, intercession. And this is what the Bible says. It says he stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. What an incredible image. Aaron, the priest of God, just like you are a priest of God, standing right in the middle of the people, interceding for the people, standing between them and destruction. And right there where he took his stand, right then when he took his stand, the plague stopped. And everybody behind him was spared. Remember, intercession means to go between, to stand between the people and God on their behalf to stand sometimes between the people and the horrible thing that's coming at them and ask God to intervene on their behalf. The other account for me that's this great image of intercession happens in the New Testament Gospels. There's this group of guys, they got a buddy. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him, but, but it's caused him to be lame. He can't walk. They have to carry him around on a mat. They hear that Jesus has come around. And they hear these stories that Jesus keeps healing people. So they pick up their buddy on the mat and they take him to see Jesus. And when they get there, he's teaching, he's in a house, but there's so many people there, they can't get anywhere near him. But these guys have come to present their buddy and his case before the Lord. And so they're not easily stopped. They actually, as they climb on top of the house, they rip the tiles off the roof, and they lowered their buddy on that mat and brought him face to face with Jesus, where he was healed. Well, see, that's an, for me, that's an incredible picture of intercession. You can do the same thing for other people. You can pick them up and haul them to Jesus. You can present them in front of Jesus through, through the privilege you have in prayer. Maybe they can't get out of their house. I think right now, I think of Raymond Helms. Everybody loves Raymond. 
Raymond uh, uh, Helms, part of our fellowship, he's having real serious challenges with his lungs. So he's, he's, he's hunkered down. He can't get out. He really needs a miracle. He needs something as significant to happen. You know, Raymond can't leave his house, but you know what? Through intercession, you can pick him up and carry him. Right? Instead of down in front of Jesus. And through the power of intercession, you can stand between Raymond and Jesus and you can ask, Lord, will you touch him? Lord, will you do something? You can bring anybody, you can bring nations face-to-face -face with Jesus through the power of intercession. You can do that. It's incredible what the potential power of intercession. Where you can put yourself between a person and God and ask God to help them out. You draw near to the Lord and enter into communion with Him. And then you plead the case of somebody else. Maybe even a nation. You stand between them and God and ask God to have mercy on them. You stand between them and God and ask God to bless them and help them. Maybe they're struggling through absolutely no fault of their own. They're sick or afflicted. Somehow they're in trouble. Maybe they're facing something awful through absolutely no fault of their own. You can bring their need right straight to the Lord. You can stand before Him on their behalf and bring their need and plead their case. Maybe they're in trouble and facing something awful and it is entirely and completely their fault. You can still bring them and their case before the Lord and stand between their, them and God and intercede and plead on their behalf. You can do that anyway. doesn't matter if they're guilty or not. What matters is will you stand in the gap? Will you stand before the Lord and bring someone else to him? That's what Moses and Aaron did over and over and over again for the people of Israel. That's what Jesus does over and over again for you and for me. He intercedes for us. We talked about that two weeks ago. With the Father. He pleads our case. Jesus is always asking for mercy and grace for you and for me. Even when we don't deserve it. Like I said last time, whenever you intercede for somebody else, you join Jesus in his right now ministry of intercession. Of asking God to show mercy and grace. Now, just to be clear, there is a difference between you and Jesus. Whatever Jesus asks the Father for, I'm, I'm pretty confident he gets. In part because he says he and the Father are one. He knows exactly what the Father wants already. He and the Father are one. Uh, you and I, on the other hand, are, aren't really privy to that same sort of omniscience. That means sometimes we don't always get what we ask, even when we ask for someone else. God always answers my prayers. I've said that repeatedly during this series. But sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is, not right now. Sometimes the answer is, Billy, I sure do love you. But you don't have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. But God is good. And he promises to listen. And he invites us to come and stand before him. On behalf of ourselves and on behalf of others. So just to be very clear, intercession is not magic. And it's not some sort of superpower by which you can make stuff happen in the world. But it is an incredibly powerful gift, an incredibly powerful privilege that you have as the people of God. And right now, this very moment, God is looking for a person who will stand in the gap before him and cry out for other people. I think he's looking for a people who do it. And so my question is, will you as an individual be that person? Will we, as a body of Christ, be that people? Your prayers... 
your intercession really can make a world of difference in somebody's life. Let's pray. Father, as always, we're so grateful for the power and the clarity of your word. That, that, that you, you, you speak to us truth and you show us things that are really too wonderful for us. Father, we thank you for the invitation to come before you in prayer, the call or your desire to commune with us in prayer, your promise to listen when we do. And Lord, we thank you that we are welcome in your presence because of Jesus. And Lord, we actually have the privilege of bringing other people before you. You want us to stand before you on behalf of others. Lord, thank you for the gift of intercession. May we be faithful to use it well for your glory, for your pleasure, and for the 